Honeybees fly with a remarkable agility that would be the envy of stunt pilots. Yet their navigation software is packed into a brain the size of a sesame seed. Now their techniques are being studied carefully at the all-weather bee flight facility at the Australian National University in Canberra. There are plans to use them in miniature flying robotic spies and unmanned planetary exploration probes. Can it be? By Dr. Jonathan Sarfati. Bees have airspeed gauges, gyroscopes, a compass that detects the polarization of sunlight, UV sensors to track the horizon to measure tilt, and two compound eyes, each with 7,000 hexagonal facets. Their eye facets are windows to sub-eyes called omatidia, which are tiny tubes containing their own lens and light-detecting cells. Each tube points in a different direction, which will enable vision over a wide area. The hexagonal shape for their eyes is ideal, and it is also why their honeycomb is also hexagonal. It has as few sharp corners as possible needing less reinforcement, and it's the most symmetrical structure. Bees' eyes are superb for detecting motion, since a small shift means different facets detect the image. And now the Australian National University researchers have shown that bees use motion detection for navigation. Imagine traveling fast in a car or a train. The post on a nearby fence seems to be whizzing backwards, while objects further away seem to move backwards more slowly, while yet in the sky the clouds seem to be almost traveling with you. The movement of images is called optic flow, and the faster anything seems to move, the closer it is. By making the bees fly in tunnels where patterns on walls could be artificially moved, the researchers proved that the bees use optic flow. When the pattern was stationary, the bees flew dead center in the tunnel, because only then would the optic flow rate on both sides be identical. If the pattern on one side moved in the same direction as the bees flew, that is to say slowing down relative to the bees, they would detect the slower apparent motion and calculated that the wall was now further away, and veered towards it. The researchers also found that bees are programmed to fly such that the image speed stays constant. For example, when the patterns on both sides of the walls moved with the bees, so the bees thought that they were flying slower, so they flew faster. This flying method is actually vital so that the bees fly fast in open spaces but slow down in more cluttered spaces, or veer away if images suddenly start to move very fast on one side, which would become a signal that an obstacle is very close. It also helps bees land because they can slow down automatically to keep the optic flow constant as they descend closer to the ground at a constant angle. In this ingenious way, they don't need to know their airspeed or their height. Bees also use optical flow to measure distances to food sources, which they communicate to other bees in special wiggling dances, which we read about recently on the podcast. The researchers proved this by making foraging bees fly through narrow tunnels which generated higher optic flow, which they calculated as flying further. Then these bees communicated this misinformation to their fellow bees, which then started searching for the food at greater distances. So optic flow does require contrast in the surroundings, so that images change enough to be detectable. This actually works really well in nature, and fills only in artificial environments such as glass windows and painted walls, which explains why bees sometimes become disoriented and keep bouncing off these surfaces. 
So optic flow may solve problems that are unavoidable with conventional guidance systems. The Global Positioning System, which we call GPS, relies on satellite mapping, but enemies can jam satellite signals. Also, it only works on pre-mapped objects, so for example it won't stop a spy craft from crashing into a rubbish bin. For a space probe like the Mars Pathfinder mission, it was even worse. Signals between Earth and Mars took 11 minutes to travel the distance of 190 million kilometers, so the robot had to crawl at a snail's pace, only 52 meters in 30 days. Any faster, and the rover might have fallen into a crevasse before Mission Control even knew that the rover was in danger, let alone send a signal to change course. However, optical flow would allow a robot to be self-steering. A prototype helicopter can use optic flow to hover in one spot, a major achievement that outclasses remote-controlled machines. However, there is some way to go before it could navigate winding canyons, and the computer program algorithm is not yet perfected. It also currently needs power-hungry Pentium chips to operate. However, a specially designed chip that better mimics the bee's energy-efficient design may enable a hundred-fold reduction in power consumption and a tenfold reduction in weight to boot. Also, engineers have a long way to go to make a bee-sized flying robot, about a hundredth the length and ten-thousandth the weight of their prototype. See, for one thing, ordinary gears and pulleys don't work properly when miniaturized. They plan to mimic insect aerodynamics. Insects flap their wings by vibrating their outer covering, the exoskeleton. And also the insect wings flap with a very complex motion, rotating and changing the tilt to achieve the required lift. The algorithm for this motion has previously been programmed into robot simulations of insect wing flapping. So, some evolutionists have claimed that the compound eye is a bad design that no good designer would use so it must have evolved. However, it is actually an excellent design for small creatures, enabling bees to navigate by the highly efficient optic flow method. Also, an assertion about what a designer wouldn't do is actually a pseudo-theological argument, not a scientific argument, and natural selection could produce this structure. It also invokes the idea that since creation or evolution are the only alternatives, evidence against the one is evidence for the other. Strangely, the evolutionists protest loudly when creationists use this approach. When it comes down to hard evidence for evolution, there are huge problems. See, recent molecular evidence counts strongly against the idea that compound eyes all evolved from a common ancestor, and instead points to multiple independent origins, which is only consistent with separate creations by a single designer. At the time of writing this article, Debates were raging in Ohio in the United States about whether there is a design in nature, or if the teaching of intelligent design is even science. However, as we're discussing, the best robotics engineers have yet to design a navigation program as good as a bee's and run it on a chip with the energy efficiency of a bee's brain. So, it is reasonable to believe that the bee was designed by a master programmer whose intelligence is beyond our own. For the past few years, the intelligent design movement has captured headlines and ignited controversy around the world. 
But in the process, many are coming to think that a credible challenge to the dominant Darwinian naturalism of our time means backing away from a clear stand on the truth of the Bible. Now, our creationist heavyweight Dr. Jonathan Sarfati, whose Refuting Evolution book has the most copies in print of any creation book ever, challenges this mindset head-on in the book titled By Design. It is a lasting definitive work on design by a leading biblical creationist. Dr. Sarfati presents case after case for amazing design in the living world and demolishes theories of chemical evolution of the first life. Yet unlike many in the prominent intelligent design movement, he is upfront with the truth of the Bible. This enables him to refute many anti-design arguments and answers the key question, who is the designer? So get your copy of By Design from the creation.com online store. I am Joseph Darnell. For everyone at CMI, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.